Thank you for this uh, time that you've given us. Thank you for this poem that Seth wrote that we're going to get a chance to talk about along with the piece of art that uh, Jack did. And Lord, I pray for not just wisdom for us tonight, but courage. Courage to say what we need to say. Courage to say what you've put on our hearts to say. Pray for your uh, insight. Pray for your blessings on our families as uh, we're away right now. And pray for our listeners too that you would bless them and give them insight and courage as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Seth, do you want to take us into this poem a little bit? Uh, Sure. Um, It's called More Than the Watchman Wait, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, based in a psalm. Mm -hmm. And you you had this idea, though, for this poem, though, because uh, we're going to be talking about uh, an image within Jack's spiritual mechanics of labor and rest, uh, right in the middle, uh, the stomach that has a window in the stomach, and you thought, mm-hmm. and we wanted you to share a poem, and you chose this one. So that's lead us into that. Um. So it, I mean, just literally, if you just take it, what, what's happening in the drama of the poem? You have um, the poet who's sleeping. Um, and is woken by coyotes outside, which if, I mean, I think a lot of people in America have experienced that, but there's something really interesting. They're in the dark, they're wild, um, they're, they cross the border into what, what we would call civilization, I guess. Mm. Um, and when they start yipping at each other, you don't know where they are. It it sounds like there may be a thousand of them. It's probably like two, um, and they're they're calling out and communicating. It's really, it's pretty fascinating. Coyotes are extremely smart anyway. They hunt with strategy. 
in in groups, um, which is just fascinating to watch in the daytime. <clears throat> At night, it's um, a little disconcerting. Um, so he's the the poet is woken by coyotes yipping in the night, um, and what they're driven by, I assume, is their stomachs. They have to eat, um, and then a little later. He's not the only one that was woken by the coyotes, but his daughter appears in the door. And you can just imagine laying there in the dark and you can't see anything. And you can't see anything outside your dark window. All you're doing is just hearing these things develop. Um, and you hear the feet steps coming. The, uh, the footsteps? The feet steps. Mm -hmm. They arrive at your door and you're already um, a little discombobulated from being woken from your sleep. Um, which is one of the one of the reasons why there's no punctuation in this in this poem because I feel like punctuation is a sight is something that you mm. determine form by sight and since this person has no sight in this poem all of this stuff is determined by the the meter and the rhythm and the rhyme. Um, there's a lot of sound words too, like sibilance, for instance. I yes, confess, this, I looked that up, the swishing of the feet on the floor, and yip mm -hmm. and trill, and so there's a lot of auditory um, words, too. Yeah, that's, that's definitely on, on purpose, but it, <clears throat> I, think, I, know, I think that's something that poetry offers that, you know, like something prose doesn't, maybe, prose, you, I mean, you can alliterate in prose or whatever, you can, um, but to kind of chase the sound, it's more of... Um, there's a melody. It's not. I mean, it's not technically a melody, but poetry and music are not the same thing. But they are. They just you just start chasing that sound, and I I think that there's, you know, kind of if you're if you're listening to music and somebody starts playing in a in a major key, it's happy. Then they switch over to a minor key. There's it gets a little. This is more solemn, more uh, somber tone, and I think I think the sounds of words convey tones as well. Um, so it can be a little bit playful. It can be a little bit disconcerting. You know, the sibilance of feet. Yeah. The, he he uh, senses a silhouette and hears the sibilance of feet. Um, and then the daughter um, feels scared and, he, and she's pressing this, can I, can I come in? Hmm. And... Um, it, it strikes me any time that I'm woken in the middle of the night that I need to, it's not on purpose. I mean, I like to sleep. I don't like to be woken from it. Um, but if I am woken, I assume that there's something larger at play, that maybe God is, is, has, has broken my sleep for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I can either be mad <laughs> that I'm awake in the middle of the night, or I can say, well, this is the chance to hear something that I wouldn't have heard in a in a busier, louder part of the day. Mm -hmm. um, so, more than the watchman waits, and I think there's some of that. The poet trying to convey that to his daughter, who's who is fearing, um, and say, like, "This is this is what we do in these moments. Um, we listen for it." Um, then there's the play on the words with the vent the ventriloquist, the the trilling. Um, expect the Sybil. So a Sybil, S-Y-B-I-L, is a 
it's kind of a pagan prophetess. Uh, a lot of times, like the oracle at Delphi, was another word for that position was a sibyl. Hmm. Uh, it's pretty interesting too. If you go to if you if you go to the Sistine Chapel, uh, there's these little little spots along the ceiling um, where they have the prophets. Uh, so it'd be like Isaiah and Ezekiel, mm-hmm. these portraits of them. But every other one is also a pagan sibyl. Um, so at least in Michelangelo's way of thinking was that all of these things, if they're true, it's God speaking to us somehow. Um, and if you expect them to show up and speak, um, then they'll, they'll interpret some, they'll give you a message. Um, of course, ventriloquist one sounds fun in that, in that sound of words that are going on, but ventriloquist, the literal, literal word, Ventriloquist, you break it down into its parts in Latin. It means belly speak, belly speech. Mm. Um, and I mean, just like the coyotes were chasing that hunger and speaking to each other and trying to hunt something down. Uh, in this case, the, the, the Sybil ends up translating this, this thing that comes at night um, into some sort of hunger for, um, for a message. Um, so we wait on them that's what we do and they call out wow I can see how that relates to the picture now now that you say that Um, it's interesting like with well with it's like the watchman or the you know like this in a, in a way, like, you know, the coyotes, there's that the sacramental kind of night. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and the, they're kind of the watchmen, too. And uh, so it's, it's that. <clears throat> it's interesting how, um, you know, you, you know, it's that deal where it's like you're paying attention, you know. And there's, in a way, and it's too, it's like the hunger is for... Like your own hunger is for the word, uh, or for the, for the, um, you know, for like some something numinous, you know, mm. to emerge out of, you know, what you're paying for by having to wake up, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, there's that beautiful moment of, it's one of those things that. Peter Jackson added to the Lord of the Rings that actually I think was was really actually a really beautiful cinematic moment anyways was when <clears throat> it's in uh, the return of the king and uh, they have these beacon fires and so as as the it kind of these fires are kind of going across as the day is going from night into the into dawn and and they you can see the fires leap from each you know from mountaintop to mountaintop and it's a pretty stunning thing to see like that you know and these guys that wait and wait and wait they're there to wait and watch and for most of the time nothing you know it's this for (laughs) them then it's this one moment and i think that's what's 
fascinating is there, there's something really rare. It's that there's that rare, there's really rare and it's really precious when it comes. And it's so it's it's like the virgins and their lamps too. You know, it's like this thing. It's like be prepared because it's only going to come once. Mm. <laughs> and if you miss it, it's it's well, the cost for missing it is that you miss it. Mm. You know, you miss it's like uh, what's his name says like well you know what the punishment for missing the sabbath is is that you miss the sabbath <laughs> you know like that's you, you miss out on the sabbath <laughs> I, I thought I, and anyways all these I, all these ideas are swirling in my in my mind right now and in, in the ways that that god comes to us in the unexpected ways in the in the middle of the night, through the coyote, through a, a, a daughter who needs consoled, through the Sabbath, through resting, through these weak and vulnerable, just unexpected things. That's what I found to be true. And I, I think uh, I was in a, a must, must, much less functional, <laughs> healthy place in my life when I believed that God only came this way. And it happened to be the way that my ego approved of <laughs> And that uh, was uh, just, we've talked about, like, you have theology and spirituality, and, and theology, to me, was separate from prayer. It was separate from experience. It was separate from um, God actually showing up in these things, and that's not a good place to be. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but God, are we open to him coming in the middle of the night? Like, I was thinking of two, was it Elijah in the cave or Elisha? I always get those mixed up. Uh, Elijah, I guess. Elijah, yeah. yeah. But he's in the cave and hiding, and God says, what are you doing in here? You know, asking him. The word that stands out to me most about that is the word here. That means God was right in there with him. It's not, <laughs> what are you doing in there, Elijah? What are you doing in here? Like, He's there. He's there in that dark moment, in in our dreams, in the uncanny things. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I found that to be true. You guys? You know, one of the yeah. I think one of the things that I've I've been thinking about since we started having these conversations was, um, well, Jack said something in that first week that the primary purpose of work or labor is. Um, Intimacy with Intim God. Intimacy with God, which is being in the presence. I mean, you can only be intimate with someone you're in the presence of. Um, and and recognizing I hadn't hadn't been a, a desire of mine in a while to be in the presence of God. Uh, maybe because I'd, I'd been in environments where, like, oh, you know, people could call down the presence of God as if they were, you know, burning bulls and whatever you know making sacrifices doing enough emotional things with guitars and things that they could bring down the presence of god and it, it but it, it reminded me like oh there's it is something to be desired specifically uh, that we would desire being in the presence of god that intimacy sounds like you got some action over there Seth. 
I love it. Yeah. Yes, it is a house. It is a house full tonight. Thank you for you. While, while while I'm not talking, it's all right. Thank you for uh, <laughs> uh, doing this though during a, a busy time. Here's I'll I'll put up uh, the whole image for us. I think what's it's interesting too with you with the poet as the watchman. I mean, I get you know from to me it's like I always equate like the watchman with the prophet, um, which is. Um, you know, as it was that Ezekiel that God kind of specifically called to that, you know, kind of named that role as watchman. Um, I think it was Ezekiel. Um, and he's where it was kind of like, if you don't, you know, he's like, you need to warn them. <laughs> if you, if you warn, if you warn them and they don't listen, or if you don't warn them and they, if something happens, it's that it's on you, you know, like their blood is on your hands. If you uh, if you do warn them and they still don't listen, then I guess the blood's not on your hands. <laughs> but Jack, I, I'm gonna just one second. Yeah, that, is, that scene from Ezekiel 33 is the first uh-huh. is the subject of the first poem I ever had published. <laughs> oh wow! Go ahead. Sorry. That's good. That, that's awesome. So I I think. You know, and I mean, for and I think at the same time, you know, that the role of the proper role of the artist, you know, and and is, you know, and here I'm including, you know, you know, poetry and music and you know things that become truly are, you know, there's that that's the I think there's a watchman, there's a a watchman role there. Uh, I'm not sure for how far to go down that right now because that's a whole nother conversation I guess that's why I'm being hes- hesitating a little bit but it's it's something that I think about all the time and I think is really significant and uh, uh, and it's one of the things I really like about a lot of your poetry actually Seth it seems like there's a lot of that at work in your words uh, uh, so I, I, I it's, it's interesting too like to kind of you uh, it's inter- like the I immediately when you you and you you brought this poem up earlier in the week that about uh, kind of juxtaposing with with the, the window and the stomach of the spiritual mechanics man uh, like hunger is exact right where I went with it you know um, so when just with the with the coyote and it's funny as a farmer you know I've got a pretty got I've got kind of an interesting relationship with coyotes out <laughs> here you know um, and but it's it's funny it's but I you know I, I don't know I've I have a lot of stories I could tell, but <laughs> uh, it's it is interesting how their hunger and how we meet their hunger and you know di- kind of has this they play they're like they're like the classic adversary you know mm-hmm. and there's so so much of it there's so such a perfect adversary that they're <laughs> that they that. Our F, like mankind's, you know, 
I should say, like, white European settlers' efforts to eradicate them only entrenched them further, you know, and to the point where they've realized that, like, it's actually, they respond to pressure. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like, that, that, that's actually, like, all those efforts just make, just, they re reproduce more. I mean, however you would, you know, they just continue. And so... Seth, um, didn't you have your your dad say have a, a quote about the last coyote or the last man? Yeah, the I I mean this is the way Dad would say it. I don't know if it's true, but he said it was some Native American uh, proverb that after the last man dies, the coyote will dig up his femur and drag it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. So I had a I had a three legged Jack Russell Terrier when I um, uh, probably about 15 years ago and he had four legs when I first got him but he was just he had it in for this particular pickup that pulled a box trailer in. Um, and so he lost a leg and I thought it might slow him down but he just was like that much a little bit less weight so he could actually go a little faster um, on three legs but his name was Thor, and he had a, I mean, he, you know how Jack Russell Terriers are. They've got a personality, mm -hmm. and they think they're, like, they think they're the biggest thing around. And so he, one, it took me, he disappeared one night, and, and he'd never shown any interest in coyotes before. And uh, it took me a while to put all the pieces together, and there were some gruesome details. And uh, I knew kind of how those where they where those guys traveled and through talking to mine anyways it, it became real clear that he he uh he thought he could take on a whole pack <laughs> and wow. uh, it didn't go as planned and the the interesting thing is um when i when i got a, a new dog I, you know i got a I had this australian shepherd pup and you know this is a at this point in the story it was about two years in and and he the the that australian shepherd pup was uh across the road on this property we hadn't bought it yet that's now part of our farm but he came trotting back with something in his mouth and it was the skull of that jack russell terrier and uh, I just thought that was pretty beautiful that my new dog went and found my old dog's skull and brought it back to me. So I've got that I've got that sitting on a shelf in my work bin, wow. in my workshop. But, um, and, that, and that's when you really put the pieces together. <laughs> I, yeah, it's like that's the miss. That's the last. That's the part I needed. But they call that. I think they call that closure. <laughs> but so anyways it was it was perfect man he still had all his teeth and everything um, wow. so uh the uh so now one last little cut part of the coyote epic um now when i have if i have a you know we have lots of livestock obviously so if you know, there's always, especially with a lot of poultry, they just die at times. You know, you have one or two die every once in a while. And so, and, or if I, sometimes I'll have a ewe or if lambs die. So I've got a place where um, I know there's some dens 
Uh, and so I will. I, I just. I, I. To me, it's like the volcano god. You know, <laughs> I just. I offer them up, and uh, I just take them back there. And there's kind of a little hedge tree I put them under. And I had a you an old. Um, I think it was heat stress. I had this summer. I had a you that we lost, and I put her out there. And she, there was no. The next day, I went back and checked. The next day, and there was just no sign of her. I mean, mm. nothing. She was just completely gone. Two hundred pound you, just gone. Um, so, they make quick work. There's an R.S. Thomas poem uh, called "Gifts," and um, it's really short. And uh, so, I don't know how to read just a segment of it. I'm not sure how this stuff works but I know R.S. Thomas is not living anymore um, so I don't know if I can read his poem or how much of his poem I could read um, but it's it's significant um, so I'm just going to read it hmm. from my father my strong heart my weak stomach from my mother the fear from my sad country the shame to my wife, all I have, saving only the love that is not mine to give. To my one son, the hunger. And to that, that window in the stomach is really, well, it's multifaceted, but this idea of hunger, um, that poem was offered to me um, as a gift. Um, from a from an elder that I had reached out to I didn't know personally but it was somebody who we you know my my friend Cody and I really admired and he and uh, I, I find I wrote to him one day and I I think I I sent him a I'd written this song about Habakkuk and uh, I think I just sent him the words to it, and the song is like 15 minutes long. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's kind of agonizing to actually try and listen to it. But but I you know I was looking for something, and and uh, this was gosh this was a long time ago now. But he um, he was very gracious, but he didn't give me what I was looking for. And he deliberately didn't give me what I was looking for, but he gave me that as a blessing, as a gift. And it was a perf receiving hunger as a gift. And, <laughs> and in the form of that poem was a very profound um, and lasting kind of deposit, you know. And I, I would, I would, how I would kind of maybe briefly describe what that hunger is is that it's that it's like what you were just saying Seth earlier it's like the hunger I think to be in the presence of God um, which is a profoundly like which is something we can't even understand let alone describe and just and uh, I think that I think the hunger to it, go, it it really grows out from there you know it's like an explosion and so to be you know to kind of have this hunger that's never satisfied 
is when in a in a spiritual context is is a big deal to me um and i've i've had the privilege of passing that on you know so it's kind of become like a neat thing to get to share every once in a while with somebody of like yeah i'm gonna i get to pass this this blessing this of hunger on to this to this person you know with that poem going with it um and so there's def there's a big part of that in that window in the stomach that um carries some of that that poem with it um i've, I've got a lot more i could say about is that about it, like but I'll sp- <laughs> um augustine how he opens up the confessions that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in the in that um to receive that restless heart or that hunger is a gift because we'll be we'll continue to be restless for we don't know what or we'll continue to try to fill ourselves with every everything but what we're really hungering for until we're pointed uh, towards a thing that will satisfy is that kind of what you're getting at maybe um it's it's i wouldn't say it's i wouldn't say it's not that uh, <laughs> you know i think it's 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 a mysterious thing because it's it's like in a way it's in a way like i love that idea by the way i love augustine's idea of like may i never rest <laughs> until like until I settle and and like may there may there may the like no, may like it's a kind of a discernment right mm-hmm. like there's this isn't it this isn't it you know none of these things are it and like I'm tempted to rest here uh, mm-hmm. but it's everyone is like becomes a trap and you realize it it's like so there's like a it's almost like hunger as discernment mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in that way and but i but it's more than that mm-hmm. um and it's it's kind of it's such a companion that like i don't know what i would do if it went away you know i'm not mm-hmm. sure i want it to go away yeah yeah so this um, hunger stays or or it it it, it keeps being hungry mm-hmm. yeah and and i would say it's a hunger that's not it's not a hunger in the sense of like a gluttonous hunger mm-hmm. you know it's not a a hunger that is that's the word I'm looking for I think but it it, it fe- but it's like it's haunt it is a way that it's it's haunting you know it's kind of like there's that part of me that it's hard to sort it out from the things that are broken in me you know like the parts of me that like always feel like they're never it's like it's never enough doesn't matter how how much I do it's never enough doesn't matter how many how much how much work I do it's never gonna be enough you know and there's 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 some degree of rest even in that for me you know if I can get to that point where I accept it you know because sometimes it feels like it's I don't know it's it's such a hard 
it's such it's a weird dance and I never I never can set my feet down on 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 it you know but I think that's part of it I think that's I think that's a really important part of it because it's kind of like if I could then the hunger would go away mm-hmm. you know a lot of times when a person says hunger we equate that with the word appetite and I don't think that's what this is um, it's not a because uh, so much of an appetite can be satisfied on what you consume and this isn't something the thing that would satisfy this hunger can't be consumed mm-hmm. um, I, I mean it's there's a I, I think one of the, the cracks in our culture currently if you can say that it's a very broad stroke um, is to say that what we do with beauty is consume it, um, but what should be done with beauty is uh, to be admired, uh, to stir on love. Um, it's that it's that desire for the other, that eros, love, um, is what I think that hunger is almost. Uh, it's not something that I, I'm going to consume the thing and and get rid of it. It's that it just drives me on to the other in, in love I think it just really kind of becomes love at that point yeah passion the word passion comes to mind you know and and I think there's a the proximity of that flaming heart to that window you know there's almost like in a way that flaming heart is like a comet headed for that window you know mm-hmm. and so there's 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 that I think there's that you know there's kind of the emptiness that that's there's the whole like kind of the divine emptiness like where god empties you out in order to fill you you know it's like um it's and it's like a respiration it's like yeah uh can keep in yeah let let that emptying continue <laughs> you know and we kind of real there was a point in my uh you know when we were uh, when I, I try, I don't know how to describe the season, but we were, we, we, you, you could maybe think of it as like fasting, in a sense too, you know, mm. where you're, where there's something that made keen, <laughs> by, yeah. um, by by something being by like that food being withheld or something else that you are you know that you have an appetite for being withheld um you know and it's like so there's maybe there's like some distance there or and so when you that just makes the pursuit of of god that much more uh i guess keen or acute or all the you know those types of that kind of thing um so I, I put up the picture for people who are uh, only listening, and you have uh, this the walking man. I think it's walking man, or or the guy in the spiritual mechanics piece. But it's right in the center, uh-huh. and it's um, there's a window in the stomach, and the um, window is um, I don't what's the word outlined by bricks. Um, along the side of it uh-huh. but one thing yeah. to notice about the window that it's light on the inside 
and you wouldn't expect that and maybe that's kind of a little hint to uh, what you guys are talking about that's different than maybe a normal appetite or a, that that the that there's light inside um, it's a different kind of hunger uh-huh. uh, right yeah and I think in a way too like that window is a little bit like an eye you know mm-hmm. and and uh, there there's 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 something important to me about you know, we about you know getting away from the head <laughs> as as like the 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 locus of of all spiritual activity or all um thought activity you know it's that there's or or consciousness you know like there's a lot more you know with our heads up uh there's a whole body of consciousness that has a role to play um and so there's something about like like the the stomach that is it's interesting like that part of the body you know there's there's this idea of the reins and there, if you you know there's some translations where um where it's referring to where in like the psalms or some things where it talks about god you steering you by your reins and um i've heard some i've heard those that referred to as the kidneys um you know that there's like some of this stuff is talking really specifically about certain aspects of our anatomy where where um there is kind of a physiognomy connection to like a spiritual action Mm -hmm. or a spiritual um, relationship and so so it's i think it's just a part of that you know getting away from just like i said just the head being all that there is you know uh, paul uh, paul talks about t- uses this language in, to the corinthians and second corinthians uh in this just wonderful passage that relates actually the heart that comment up there to the stomach he's talking to the um corinthians and He's saying, he says, now's the time uh, for salvation. Like, you need, to, you need to act on this. He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no uh, fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by calamities, by beatings. And he just goes through this whole long paragraph of things that he's been through, like hard things. Um, with fears, uh, imposters, and just all as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, all this emotional language. So, like, Paul, like, lays it all out on the table. Like, it's all out on the table. But then he says in verse 11, he says, we, we have spoken freely to you. Actually, the, the Greek there is, we've opened our mouths to you. Like, we've opened our mouths wide to you, Corinthians. And then he says, our heart is wide open. And then verse 12 says, You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. Now, I remember teaching this for the first time to some students once, and you know, you're trying to get their attention. And, and the Greek word for affections is, is the word for bowels. So, and that was how Paul thought about 
in the in the Greeks, I guess at the time, thought about, and it's a Hebraic way of thinking about our emotions too, as the bowels. But he says you've restricted your bowels. <laughs> it's like it's like they had spiritual constipation, right? <laughs> and Paul's saying, stop doing that. Stop stop having spiritual constipation. And he says. He says, you are not restricted by us, but in your own affections. In return, he says, I speak to you as children. Open wide yourselves. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, stop, stop, holding, stop holding it back. Stop holding it in, you know. Um, yeah, we open up good. our hearts to you. You know, we're, and we, we've, and the, the window, like, in showing our bowels. Like, that's not where you want a window, <laughs> As <laughs> I was thinking about it, like that's not where I want the window. Like that's the mo- that's the most humble part of the body. It's it's the most the deepest, m- most mysterious right. part almost. Yeah. And that's not where you want a window. And and like in my mind, when Seth, you were talking about that the wa- the wildness of the coyotes and that, my mind went right to that to the emotions and to the bowels as a seat of the emotions. And all that's going on um, when when our emotions are uh, yipping and trilling, and we don't we, we don't know why, and there's that wild primal part of us. And how do we how do we listen to that? How do we take that as being a ventriloquist, as as God speaking to us uh, too? Even even you know through how he, how he made us. I don't. Don't know if I'm making sense, but um, it's good. It's good. That's where, that's where my mind was going. Hmm. I don't know if I have an answer to that. I, I mean, a good a good place to start probably is to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> Although Paul said to keep it open. Um, I just being willing to listen. I think. Um, and I don't. I'm never. I'm never the person who's. Uh, everybody should be. A creative or whatever I hate that word um, but I would imagine if you if you are exposed to something and this is this is Plato if if you have an experience with beauty you become pregnant with yeah right an idea and that that eventually takes form and you have to make something of it um, which I would imagine that's why so some people take up art in general or poetry or whatever is is that there's there's been this exposure to it um and that maybe that's the the beginning to the answer to your question sam um what do you do when you hear god speak and out of the noise and all of that stuff maybe if we're quiet enough we can hear it um, and then you have to do something with it. Part of it is being a witness, right? If, if if we've been entrusted to witness something that God's done, it is our responsibility to say something, uh, either through words um, or visually through music or whatever. We can um, somehow to represent that. I think it's a it's it's a calling. It's a it's a responsibility to do that, like Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then the the blood is on someone's hands. I I think that's really significant. I mean, Ezekiel's a great connector too, because 
I think what you're saying, what I what I feel like when you're as you're speaking, Seth, is it's like this idea of you know the there's more to it, I guess, than just the first part is paying attention. Mm-hmm. The first part is listening, and you receive. But then there's this whole other side that's the dis- the discipline, you know. And I think that is there's a there's a real connection I think with hunger to discipline. Yes. Yes. And um, so like Ezekiel is a great example because he you know his discipline was in in a sense almost like that you know that mo- that point where he's bound on his side you know I, this is what I want you to do and because nobody could possibly do this without like just restrain yourself for this long I'm gonna you know he was ba- you know spiritually bound you know as at least that's how I've always understood it you know which has always felt like a grace to me <laughs> that's like that it was a grace that like helped enforce that discipline um I don't know if that connection, may, that, if I'm communicating that very well, but I think there's, there's that. That's a. But the key thing there, it, with hunger, linking hunger to discipline, and it's like because there's, there's more to, right? There's more to it than just, than just being a conduit. You know, as much as we're called, and as much as that's part of it, like mm-hmm. we have to be a conduit, but you're a better conduit when you're disciplined. Yeah. And you're, when you have put, and so, like, I think that's, you know, for me as a creative, uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, that's integral, like, like the discipline that I've had to, kind of embrace to continue to make art and I think that's maybe a, a, an important distinction even we could when we talk about like art and like the idea even of like say genius and that the shifting of you know a genius used to just really kind of be somebody who was really had ex, you know maybe really well disciplined <laughs> who ex, who who applied themselves it's it's always the companies um like a level of skill you know that's inherent but you know versus like the the modern kind of concept of a genius is just somebody who just is wide open to receive and just like at least with with kind of the advent of modernism you know it's Mm -hmm. like you know it's if if you can come up, continue to can generate new stuff, something that nobody's seen before, you know, versus so there, but there's a balance I think in there because in a way, like everything is always new in the sense of like, Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new. Mm. Um, and you have Solomon saying like, well, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, it's all been done before where you have Picasso going into the, into the caves and being like well they they like they invented everything they already did all of it and 
and it, and I and I never like ex- it doesn't ever feel like he was saying that in a way that was discouraged. Like, well, now there's nothing for me to do. Right. You know, it it almost was like uh, the opposite of that. You know, because it's like it's for him. It's new again. You know, and there's a beauty in that. Um, and and kind of that constant like old things becoming new again um so i kind of see that in the uh, shape of the 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 bricks there because you have a you have a keystone on top if that's i think that's the right word or if you take away and the keystone has the the roman numeral five in it that we've that we've talked about for the five wounds of christ but if you take if you take if you remove the keystone everything everything falls apart you know if you uh-huh. if there's no discipline if there's no um if, if there's nothing holding it all together then yeah then what is it right. <laughs> yeah and that that arch the arch form like just to speak to the art the mm-hmm. like i've for for me like the art that arch form has always been like represents representative of faith for me um just as it's kind of one of the (laughs) oldest the oldest kind of like base symbols in my my lexicon you know is that that arch form the other thing about that is that it's the arch to me it's like that that arch form Again, it's like the, it's the shape of the the tomb, right? Mm. The entrance into the tomb. Wow! And it's like, and I and I think that's what I. There's that idea that the tomb, the the tomb, through the resurrection, the tomb becomes a window. Is is the is is sort of like the the idea, mm-hmm. you know, like that you imagine like that what ha- what happened like that tomb became a portal <laughs> you know of a lot happened in there <laughs> so uh hmm. yeah and then you have the strength of the of the brick or block versus the hmm. fragility of the glass uh-huh right. really like that yeah and th- there's then there's the there's also the kind of the connection to just like you think about that idea of of like the 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 great cathedrals in Europe that were you know this idea like they were especially when they when they were building the great gothic cathedrals with the flying buttresses and it was like how much glass can we get into these stone structures you know and it was like filling filling Mary's womb with light you know and so like the the churches were like Mary's womb and so they were just like it was it's such a, an incredible thought <laughs> and uh that it drove people to take on these multi-generational mm-hmm. um community structures that are sort of unfathomable um in in uh, in this you know day and age you could say but it's that idea again it's like the the tomb becomes a window you know it's it's like this 
this this stone this dark you know this dark stone building sepulcher becomes you know the Mary's womb filled with light hmm. it's a beautiful thing since we're at the top of that window you have the plum uh-huh. the plumb line yeah it's not I, I've I've been curious about this uh, because there's two there's actually two plumb lines in this picture one's just over his left shoulder uh-huh. um, and then we have this one that it hangs down the center of his chest that you know you have the you have the plum coming all the way if you had the whole picture in front of you you can see that there's there's the eyes of God and there's the eyes of in his forehead um, coming down the line of his chest down into his belly <clears throat> But I wonder how that, um, yeah. So that whole line goes straight down, all the way down to his feet. Uh-huh. Um, so he's plum. I'm curious about that other plum line. I know we can't in the, in the slide that we've been looking at today. We don't we don't uh-huh. particularly see it. But are, how are those two related? <laughs> I think I can talk. I'm not sure how to. Just- to enter into how they're related other than the fact that they're they're both doing the same thing you know but one's internal and one's external Mm -hmm. you know one is Mm. you know it's it's such an ancient (coughs) it's such an ancient building tool you know and the fact that it's like it's using gravity (laughs) Uh, and and so it's really about like pointing to the center yeah you know and it's and it, there's this great it's this great thing that's like s- circular motion and linear motion you know I mean it's like a profoundly mechanical uh, thing at work <laughs> and you know so it's like it's which to me is like how I understand time too. You know, it's that it's that that mashup of circular motion and linear motion. You know, which ulti- which which ends up as a helix. You know, <laughs> um, so um, so you have something that's cyclical, and so like the plumb bob, like and it and it, the plumb bob, and if it's long enough, you know, you end up with. Foucault's pendulum, you know, which is <laughs> tracking the it's tracking the, the rotation of the Earth. So I don't know. I think I I, I I guess I just love that it's it's doing more than just one thing, you know. So and there's something really direct, you know. There's something really connected to the roots, you know when you're that when you're plumbed and how you're rooted um and so i had this thought i had a dream on on monday uh, morning and um i woke up and one of the things that came to me right as i woke up was this was just this thought that like so one of the things about walking man is he's a pilgrim right so he's always saying like my way is the way of the pilgrim and so which is again that's something deeply connected to 
to hunger, right? If you when you're on this pilgrimage, like you have a one track mind, you know, and you're after one thing. Um, so the way of the pilgrim, it, you know, you're you're content with bread and water, um, and uh, so. But then this thing is like, so he becomes rooted, like, and walking man becomes a tree, and it's this idea that the horizontal pilgrim. It becomes a vertical pilgrim, right? So a tree is like a vertical pilgrim, um, and so I, I really, really, I loved that revelation. <laughs> like that felt like that was one of my. That felt like a huge gift, um, seeing the seeing a seeing the tree as a vertical pilgrim, mm. you know, and it's bowing, and that's you know both directions, right? Um, and then, uh, so the plumb bob is like pulling in that way, you know? So, and then, you know, there's a lot of like, obviously there's a lot of biblical symbolism with the plumb line. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's good. Uh, All that is good. And there's like, there's some things about like, maybe I should be more interested in the moral <laughs> you know implications of what it mean, what that might look like but I tend to get like caught up in like the chemical symbol for lead <laughs> you know and then I start thinking about the my, that big hunk of lead that I have and how much I love that thing and it's so heavy but that's important right it's like the best thing to make a plumb bob out of is is lead because lead's really heavy and so it's pulling you down you know it's pulling that line it's like if you're not sure make it out of lead and you can make (laughs) and you can the cool thing is is you can just dig a little plumb bob shape in the sand and melt your lead in your fire and and make your own plumb bob right there and uh it's really great, you know. I, I, so I, I love the. I just love that. And then, even just turning the the little the U into into a V, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love plumb bobs. <laughs> when I saw the two plumb bobs, I, I I I took them as like you have the one in the guy, but the one outside of him. Like, are are you in tune with the world around you? Are you in are you in tune with the people around you? Are you in tune with God? Mm-hmm. So, like, is what mm-hmm. going on on in the inside matching what's going on yeah. on the outside? Not in the sense that if there's chaos outside, you have to be chaotic uh-huh. yourself, but but do you have empathy? Uh, uh-huh. Or this is, is you know historic my struggle where I can get so off in whatever little world Sam is in. Uh, whether it's with uh, ministry or poetry or art or whatever, and I'm oblivious to what's going on around me and the people, and uh, I get very can get very self-absorbed, and that's not a good version of me. Um, so I see, I see the two plumb bobs, one inside, one outside, and on our, do they match? Am I am I in tune with what's going on around me? Yeah, it's like a, symp- a sympathetic vibration in a way, um, and I, I, it's interesting. You 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 wrote a, you had a, one of your poems that you wrote recently, Sam. You talked about ley lines, um, mm-hmm. 
uh, and there there's also something like what you were saying about the two plumb lines like and how they're reacting it in a way it like there's they make like there's a there's a level of like <laughs> it's like a you could almost say it's like the plumb lines almost like low grade divination <laughs> you know like <laughs> like water witching you know it's like plumb using a plumb line is is in in a sense yeah. like you know using dowsing rods you know cuz and you, there's people that use dowsing rods to det- to detect ley lines um so but i think with like that resonance of even when you say like like there's empathy there may be ca- you know that chaos there part of like how you it's like there's that discernment again right because like the plumb bob is being pulled one way like ideally um and so like let's we could say like just push a lot of metaphors together with like the weight of the lead the weight of the stone the 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 stability of the arch form you know the center of gravity of the stomach you know it's like that's where you know when you're wrestling and you don't want to get tipped over you know you like how you deal with your center of gravity your hips it's all about the hips Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right so you're feeling all, but you're feeling all this mm-hmm. stuff together right and mm-hmm. so but it's like when when it's when you're whole mm-hmm. um like because all these are metaphors for like being connected to god mm-hmm. you know and so that resonance like i mean obviously christ was affected by if we use him as our model, right? He was affected. He, um, but it wasn't an effect of like, it wasn't an effect of being thrown, you know, <laughs> spinning out, you know, in that sense. But it was a stir, you know, to being a watchman, <laughs> <laughs> to pull it back to that. Like, because when you're paying attention, and you like the watchman knows what to do like mm-hmm. the guys that were the guys that saw the signal fire from their the other beacon knew they needed to delight theirs <laughs> you know like connect the dots christ knew where his center of gravity was well we i used to do this thing with my uh my boys when uh they they were littler and we'd wrestle and uh trying to teach them about the importance of like what you said the stomach the hips as the most important part in wrestling and so i the the game would be try to try to get off get off each other's socks because if you if you're trying to keep your feet away from the other person your hips are automatically away from them and it's just a it's just it's beautiful to see to see to see how they develop the ability to get that center of gravity because they're not letting the other, their opponent get uh, get at their hips, get at the strongest part of them. Hmm. That's good. What's the relationship between the inside and the outside? Because the inside, going back to the intestines, <laughs> um, you know, it's pretty. It can be pretty um, messy and and different in there. Um, 
I read a quote from Hannah Arendt uh, earlier today. She said, if the inside would appear, everyone would look the same. <laughs> and it's like, I probably couldn't tell the difference between a sheep's intestines and my intestines. <laughs> <laughs> like, it all, it all looks the same to me. Um, and then that got me thinking about, well, what is the relationship between our insides uh, and our outsides? I mean, here we have a window to the insides, and and we, we've talked about the plumb line in relationship to what's going on around us and that sympathy. But what about the relationship between our insides and our outsides? And again, I, I'm thinking of those coyotes, too, in the middle of the night. And uh, doing... Seth, you said that they could be anywhere, <laughs> yipping and trilling. You don't know where there could be a hundred of them. There could be two, but we don't know. We we don't know. And uh, our insides, like, I was thinking about this. Like, how do I know that my thoughts are coming from my head? Like, <laughs> why couldn't they be coming from my knee? I really don't know that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Whatever my spleen is doing, it could be in my, might as well be in my foot. I don't know what it's doing. I have no concept of it. Um, that just that that unknown, uh, whether it's coyotes or my intestines. Um, yeah, that got me thinking about that relationship between the known and the unknown, visible and the invisible. It's it's interesting that Jesus says, you know, I think to the Pharisees at one point, you know, he got, well, he caused them, you know, whitewashed tombs and that they care more about, you know, keeping the outside clean than the inside, um, kind of famously resonates with, with kind of, with, with, uh, when I think when David is chosen from all the others where it's like, you know, God, you, you guys look at the outside, but God was, God looks at the end, you know, is looking at the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's my Bible knowledge. <laughs> I moving along with those <clears throat> the insides versus outsides and Bible knowledge stuff. One of the things that Jesus says is that what makes a person unclean is not yeah. what what he takes into his body, what he eats, but what comes out of his mouth. Because it's it's an indication of what's going on in his heart, mm -hmm. um, which I think is. I think that's a. I've been I've been sitting here thinking about the two plumb lines still. Um, to have, I mean, for 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 my heart to be pure is to mean that my words are also going to come out as uh, as blessings, as, as 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 at least a faithful witness to what God God is doing. So I think these these two plumb lines in my mind, um, related to what's going on inside and outside. Um, that there has to be this integrity between the two. I mean, like structural integrity, right? I mean, that's what they're designed for is to, is to say this wall will stand up because it's straight. Um, and so for, for me to have what's going on in my heart also be honest uh, and good and would also make me clean and hopefully keep uh, to to. I guess if it's making me clean by what's coming out of my mouth, and I therefore it would also be um, washing others around me with the word and having that kind of integrity, I think is 
well, it's what Jesus is telling us we need to be doing. And it's, I think, obviously it's difficult. I mean, if he's looking at the religious leaders of the day and saying, like, you guys keep screwing it up. But also reminding us now, like, this is this is the goal. Um, I... Yeah, well, and there's a degree where it's like they were, you know, they were giving a false witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the plumb line, I think maybe that's some of what the plumb line's talking about. You know, it's an indicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what we're talking about, too, with like, well, it's what comes comes out that is the, you know, that's what, that's the indicator. Um, so that idea of giving a false witness is is you know because the, the the one who's celebrated is giving the true witness you know it's the man that said you know lord jesus christ have mercy on me and there's that so it's it's not in a way it's not it's not it's not a conversation about righteousness it's a conversation about authentic witness yeah in that you mentioned the the way of the pilgrim earlier jack and that was the uh the ver- the the prayer that the pilgrim was seeking to learn the Jesus prayer Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me a sinner and to say that to pray pray that without ceasing but I remember on on one of the pages um, oh I do have my pilgrim book I keep it handy (laughs) I I won't be able to find it right off the cuff but um, one of the things that he was trying to do is um, he he said that you don't want to go down into yourself, into your heart, because you don't know what you're going to find in there. Yeah, it's scary to go down into your heart. But he says Jesus is down in there, and he's waiting, and you can go down there. And part of growing and maturing is um, is is being able to go inside yourself and face whatever's in there, face your insides, and not be. Integrity is not like the Pharisees' integrity. It's just whatever's on the outside. Make sure the sure. outside looks good and whole. Um, but that's not what integrity is. Yeah. Wonder that's if we good. could. Wonder if we could close by. Uh, do you want to read the poem again? And have a little more uh, banjo. Sure. Give us have a chance. A, to a uh, say law with the ban- banjo. Yeah, I want to hear it, hear it again now that we've said all that 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 we've said, and maybe some um, new things will stand out. More than the watchman waits, the coyotes yip and trill outside the darkened sill. No vigils come by choice. They throw their wildered voice to every place, yet no one place that I could point. Beneath this broken sleep, I sense a silhouette, a sibilance of feet. A figure darks my door. My daughter pauses there and whispers, I am scared. She waits for her welcome, but presses the threshold for my yes, permission to join my sleeplessness. My wife puffs her lips out, out, as at ease as the deaf. Expect the sibyl's scent is ventriloquist of dream who trills in belly speak. We wait on them.
We wait on them. We wait on them. They call out over our hearts, beating in our ears. from the way of the pilgrim. I didn't find the exact one I was searching for, but this one definitely relates, especially to the heart. It says, then in exactly the same way, imagine your heart. Direct your eyes as though you were looking at it through your breast. See the heart as vividly as you can and listen attentively to its rhythmic beat. And when you have been accustomed to this, then begin to say the words of the prayer while looking into your heart to the rhythm of your heartbeat. With the first beat, say, Lord. With the second, Jesus. With the third, Christ. With the fourth, have mercy. And with the fifth, on me. And repeat this very frequently. This should be fairly easy for you because you have practiced the preliminary part of the prayer of the heart. The next step, according to the writings of the fathers, is to direct the flow of the Jesus prayer in the heart in harmony with your breathing, that is, while inhaling, say, Lord Jesus Christ, and while exhaling, say, have mercy on me. Practice this often as possible, gradually increasing the time, and before too long, you'll experience a kind of pleasant pain in the heart, a warmth, and a sense of burning. Thus, with the help of God, you will attain self-activating prayer of the heart. However, you must be extremely careful in all this to guard your imagination against any kind of visions. The Holy Father strictly warned against this so as not to fall into temptation. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this today, uh, today, guys. It was good to uh, put these two things uh, together, the poem and, um, and the window into the stomach. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts that you guys have? I don't have any. 
I will recommend a poem, it's not mine, by Scott Cairns called Studying New Testament Greek, and the word is naus, N-A-U-S, nous. Mm-hmm. Um, look that up in regards to what you were just talking about, Sam. Right. Jack, thanks for bringing the banjo. Bring that bring that thing back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Best. Yeah. All right. Cool. This is good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. It's always right. good to see you guys. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. All right. Get back to your uh, your your uh, your guests, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, y'all. Okay. Good night. Good night, Seth.